The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome once again, everyone, to another edition of Conversations with Carlton, a podcast produced by the Texas Economic Development Council. And I must say, we are delighted today to have um, our chair-elect uh, this year, 2020, our chair-elect for 21 and 22, Greg Sims, uh, president of the Greenville Board of Economic Development. Brother Sims, it's great to have you. Welcome to Conversations with Carlton. Hey, Captain Carlton, appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate y'all uh, taking time out of your day to do this. Um, it's a very worthy cause, and I think that um, the, the you know our membership and others are going to find a lot of value in this. Uh, but uh, hoping we can uh, open open some doors and and open some ears today. So thank you, Carlton. You bet, Greg. You know. Um, one of the things we like to do in, in these uh, podcasts is is learn about folks' background. Uh, of course, we want to learn about um, you know what what you've done in your various uh, stops in your mm -hmm. economic development career. Um, I'm just curious. I, I know a little bit about um, about your background, but but tell us where you grew up in and uh, and just what you did before you got into economic development and then then I want to hone in on some things that that I know about sure. your career uh, as well. well I, sure well I was born in Dallas Texas in Baylor Hospital now we're not going to go back that far but um, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I grew up in Garland my dad was from Garland and um, he kind of he he really got me I guess got me in this business you know in the real commercial real estate business and and I kind of come by it honestly with with him, and he, um, you know, he cut his teeth in the in the, you know, he was from Garland, and and then went in the army, and then went to UT for a little bit, and wanted to become a pharmacist, and then uh, in the summertime he went to school one year to become a pharmacist, and he worked as a pharmacy assistant in in Garland Pharmacy in, in Garland, Texas, and and. Um, his mentor was the guy was the pharmacy who owned the owned the store and everything. That's what he wanted to do. But he came home in the summertime when after a year, UT, and he uh, and this was after he got out of the army. Uh, he um, he made more money in the real estate business selling houses in one summer than his dad, my grandfather, did as the um, the the head engineer, the head engineer at. Um, uh, uh, large, large uh, refrigerated warehouse uh, in downtown Dallas. And so, um, you know, my, he came home and told his grand, his dad says, I want to, I want to get in the real estate business. And my grandfather, you know, said, no, you're going to go finish school. You're not going to do the real estate business. He thought it was, a, you know, just a lark thing, but got in his blood. And eventually he went on and, and um, came a, a really good salesman. And that, and then he went to work for um, uh, a company called J.L. Williams and Company back in the 70s. If you, I don't know if you remember, but in Dallas, this was in the in the beginning of commercial real estate, and and really in the nation, you had you know really the the creation of a lot of commercial real estate being industrial or retail, 
uh, happened from, you know, these entrepreneurs who came out of Dallas, you know, and you uh, certainly had, um, you know, Trammell Crow and John Ulick with Vantage Companies and J.L. Williams. Those three guys really created modern day, what we have today is modern day industrial real estate. And uh, John Ulick was Vantage, Trammell Crow was Trammell Crow, and J.L. Williams uh, was had his own company, J.L. Williams Company. Well, Dad became his top salesman for J.L. Williams Company back in the early 70s. And that's where Dad did, he actually did the first uh, Honda, American Honda Corporation. He, Dad did the first American Honda distributorship uh, in Las Colinas back in those days. And he did a lot of deals in Brook Hollow. These were the days of Dallas, you know, when, when, Las Colinas was on the edge. That was like, you know, where, uh, you know, all the new stuff went and the, the Carpenter family owned all that land and, and, and all of that. And, um, you know, the, um, where I cut my teeth, you know, dad came out of that and, and got real successful and started his own company back in the early eighties. And, uh, I went to school and worked for him. I went to school at the university of North Texas which then, you know, I was the first graduating class in, in uh, 88 that you could actually choose. Do you want North Texas State or the University of North Texas on your on your diploma? And certainly I went to UNT. Uh, but, you know, I worked uh, for dad during that time period. I, I was involved with the real estate club of UNT and Dr. Bain there was uh, John Bain was our professor, real estate professor. And I was president of the college you know, club and we did a lot of stuff and we were kind of the new, new cats coming up and dad's company was doing real well. And in fact, uh, we had, uh, dad had a hundred employees at, and, you know, at the height of his success, probably from 80, 1981 to 1986, we had a hundred employees and had uh, about a uh, hundred uh, $100 million in capital assets, and we were, had about 2 million square feet. That encompassed uh, a lot of industrial real estate, office warehouse, shopping centers, uh, apartments. Um, I mean, you name it, we did it all. And that, I was being groomed to go into that position, I guess, much like, you know, much like a Stephen Jones, if you will, with the Cowboys. But the 1986 Tax Act uh, took a took a big uh, hit and everything and you had a total change in wealth uh, change in wealth from the real estate guys uh, back in those days and uh, you had the you know the overbuilt uh, of the world and and everything came to a screeching halt back in that I that was my first experience of the first recession <laughs> so you were you were uh, your your family's company yes. was uh, affected by the the 80s, late 80s oh, Texas yeah. recession, the, yes. the recession that um, really inspired the creation of the of the economic development sales tax. Kind of an kind of an That's interesting um, yeah. uh, history there. Yeah, and you know, and Dad always, you know, knew the T. The back then, you know, TXU had was had a lot to do in economic development, utility companies, and and certainly. You know, dad always said, you know, hey, you know, work with them. They've got the, a lot of the deals. And, you know, um, and back in those days, you know, you remember John Prickett and uh, Ernie Harris and, and you know, and, all those guys. And, and Greg, if I'm not mistaken, your dad was a member of the TEDC, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah. 
he was an early member certainly and you know yeah. he believed, believed in the effort and what we were doing and you know the and and uh absolutely and you know, he, he got to know Danny, you know, certainly, and, and uh, he did some projects, some industrial projects and some in, in Terrell, and he did some, uh, we did some in Rockwall, and he did some here in Greenville. And so, I mean, he, he went on and, and did other things, but, you know, kept in the state of the business, you know, in 1987, he had to write a, a uh, check to the IRS for $1 million for capital gains tax. So, you know, I've never had to do that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, when I got on this side of the business, um, that was back, um, when I went to work in Garland and I went out to North Carolina and worked for dad out there in Charlotte for about a year and a half. And we, you know, cause Dallas real estate was dead back in the day. And, um, you know, I couldn't do anything here. So I went out there and did that for a year and a half. We had to shut down operations over there. So I helped doing that. Then I came back here and looked for a job. I didn't have a job, and um, had my high school sweetheart as my was my um, you know my bride to be when I came back from North Carolina, and she she married me you know without a job, and, and so for about four months we lived with her parents, and we'd we'd been dating through high school for seven years, and we said it's time to get married, and but I didn't have a job, and real estate was in a depression in Dallas in that time period. And um, ended up, I lucked into a job in corporate real estate with Harold Simmons company. You remember Harold Simmons from sure. uh, UT. Sure. And so Harold Simmons had a, um, a uh, company called Valhai Corporation, which was a holding company in Dallas. And they, he, he, we had seven business segments underneath Valhai that he went out and he was a, you know, one of these they call them sometimes in that day, they called them corporate raiders. You know, he would go in and buy a company and strip off all the assets and that he could recoup some of his money out of and keep the good stuff. And so a lot of the junk real estate from these companies he bought went into our department of Valhai. Uh, we, we were, I worked in the real estate department as a young man. And so I had to travel all over the country uh, disposing of junk real estate, everything from a, we had a house that, that we bought uh, at the time for an employee that I had in Louisiana and I had to go uh, get rid of it. We had uh, a property, a ranch and a farm in Sedalia, Missouri. I had to go there. I had to go to Fort Knox, Tennessee um, one night to get rid of a, uh, a truck terminal. And dad and I actually, uh, dad went with me. We drove to Fort Knox. I remember that night we drove to Fort Knox in Tennessee and, and we were going to get a hotel room. Well, that night, Georgia and Tennessee were playing football, and and there were cars parked all over the highway. I mean, as far as you could see, we had to drive 100 miles to get a hotel room because uh, Herschel Walker was playing <laughs> against Tennessee during those time periods, and and I'll never forget that. And then, and then, uh, but anyway, I got to work with with Valhai Corporation, and then through. The Michael Milken days of the junk bond financing, um, you know, our stock price when I went to work there was was $120 a share. And when they laid us off, all the young guys, uh, uh, it was like $4 a share. So, I mean, we took a big, big hit there. And that, But, you know, I learned a lot in corporate real estate. It was really, really fun, you know. Um, 
learned a lot about property management, learned a lot about, you know, just dealing in uh, disposition and, and acquisition uh, type, type opportunities. Um, that's what get, that move right there got me into uh, investment real estate as a young trainee with Marcus and Millichap. And I had my broker's license, still do, from um, uh, my days in college. And I, I decided, well, you know, I need to make some money. So I'll become a real estate broker. So I went to work for uh, Marcus and Millichap. Um, they, they paid me a, a it was, a, was on 100% commission, but they had a deal where they would pay you that, you know, kind of like a debt basis where you had to pay it back. And um, I did that for about a year, but that was during the RTC days and you couldn't get any, you couldn't get any deals. Things were just upside down in real estate. There was no equity anywhere. Um, you had all this real estate rolled up in the RTC and the FDIC uh, and they were actually having auctions. And, you know, that's when Don Carter, if you remember Don Carter used to own the Mavericks came in and, bought a bunch of real estate up for like pennies on the dollar. And then eventually when things turned around, he sold it for, you know, multi-millions, but, you know, couldn't do it, couldn't make a living at that. And so that's what got me into uh, economic development. I called on, dad had some guys that used to work for the Katy Railroad, um, a guy by the name of uh, Scott Williams uh, used to work for them. Scott and, and knew Scott, so dad knew Scott's dad um in these days from garland but uh, scott grew up over by brian adams high school but scott williams had worked for um uh, the katie railroad and he and uh he was now president of the garland economic development partnership in garland texas where i grew up and so uh i went interviewed with scott scott was looking for a guy and and one thing led to another he hired me thankfully and because i needed a job man and uh, um, I spent 10 years in Garland doing economic development. Scott was there five years and he left and went to work for Staubach Company uh, and ran the BNSF account uh, for Staubach uh, on all their uh, industrial development uh, all across the United States. He was their, their head guy. And then I worked, yeah, I worked at, uh, uh, in Garland there and, and did a bunch of stuff from industrial and retail and things like that. And, and this that, was with, and this was with the Katy Railroad? No, Scott Scott worked for the Katy. I didn't. I, he, oh. he actually left the Katy Railroad because they laid off their guys back in the RTC. You know, it just hit everybody. He needed a job, too. So Scott got his got a job with the Garland Economic Development Partnership doing economic development. And so Scott hired me, and I, I went to work for the Garland Economic Development Partnership, which what, we were not for A4B. What, what year was that? It seems like you were doing that that was, that was 92 maybe ran in there it seems like you were 92. working for the, the garland partnership when i started here in early 1999 uh, i was i worked from 92 actually maybe maybe it was 94 because i worked for tanger corporation actually i've left that part out that's how i met danny booth I worked for Tan I worked for Tanger Corporation from '92 to '94, out in Terrell. That's right. I worked for him and met Danny out there, and right. then uh, and then from '94 to 2004, I was in Garland, doing economic development. And then so. uh, for for a brief while, you went into banking, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 
I did, you know, uh, I worked in Garland 10 years and we did, I did Bass Pro Shops out on Lake Ray Hubbard. We did Firewall Town Center uh, Mall, you know, with Simon Property Gear. We did Plastic Pack Corporation. We did expansions uh, with, I did, I actually was involved with bringing uh, uh, from St. Joseph, Missouri, Resist All Hat Factory had been in Garland forever. And they were actually the first economic development project that Garland had back in the, it was the Rolnick uh, Hat Company uh, back in the 30s. And uh, they had that and they had the Kraft uh, Manufacturing Food Plant and by Rolnick, it was the name of the company that Resist All Hats, parent company. Uh, but the Resist All Hats and, and uh, we recruited uh, 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 the other hat maker that Stetson from St. Joseph uh, to Garland. But but eventually, uh, you know, what dad was doing back during that time, dad was doing economic, excuse me, he was doing project management building plants on his own, his own company he was project managing uh, building plants. And he had a project where he needed help on. And so I left the Garland uh, Economic Development after 10 years. And he and I did finished up a company called SPR Packaging in Rockwall. It was a ready ice a plastic bag manufacturing facility, and, and he, we did a site search. We did a we did construction management. We did it all, and then eventually I got hired by a banking firm because um, that that was we finished up that project. Dad didn't have another project, and so a banking firm uh, hired me. A brand new boutique bank in the Park Cities called the Highlands Bank. They were hiring new commercial real estate bankers, and so. I was lucky to get get hired by them and uh, and did some banking so for a couple of years uh, before I went to McKinney EDC. What um, what prompted you at that point in time to leave banking and get back into economic development? Well, the the other recession from 06 to 08, we had you know I thought I was going to be a banker the rest of my career and I liked doing it you know I enjoyed doing it um, I was not trained in that but you know. I, they were training you that, you know, you were learning the ropes, you were learning how to do your loan package, you were learning how to analyze, how to, you know, the six C's of banking and uh, learned a lot about it. And uh, and then eventually the 06, 08 crisis that came, you know, the, the entire, you know, I'm, I'm a new guy and you know, think about this in 2007, um, I'm a new guy in the business and I had done a, a, what was uh, we had done a uh, I'd done a bank loan for a actually the this guy was an all-american for UT football player Dusty Renfro you remember Dusty Renfro sure played played for UT yeah uh, he was my, he was my, one of my clients and uh, I financed uh, a our uh, Arby's uh, restaurant for him it's a couple million dollars at the time and uh, we called it it was a reverse uh, build the suits what it was and I can tell you more about that later, what that is, but we financed that for him. And then, and then all of a sudden about 2007, um, probably the latter half of 2007, about mid midway 2007 coming into 08, we had these veteran bankers who started our boutique bank. They bought, they bought the first national bank of Jacksboro to get the charter. And they started running around like the, the world was going to end. And they started watching, you know, treasury rates and, and that was a time where, you know, there was the big, big financial collapse. They thought the entire system was going to collapse and they really thought it was doomsday. And that's when they laid us all us, 
loan producers off. We didn't need loan producers. We need we needed workout guys. Well, I'd never worked out alone before. So um, luckily, thankfully, David Pitstick, you know, I called on him and he, I, you know, they really didn't have a position, but I called on him and, and you know, David, you know, he kind of created a position for me over there. And uh, luckily, man, I, I needed to get back and, you know, in, in, in doing something. And I loved economic development when I did it. And so I, I worked for McKinney for two years and where I ran what was called their emerging technology program and their business retention, business expansion program under David. And um, Jim Young was there. You remember Jim? Jim used to yeah. work for Sally Bain, you know, back in Plano. And I knew Jim from those days. And Jim had grew up in McKinney. And so Jim was there, um, you know, and Sherry, uh, Sherry Ellington, I don't know if you remember her. She was yeah, that there. Was, that, that was, a, I remember going up and presenting to y'all's board yes uh, during that period of time and i i remember how david had assembled a really really first rate team with you and sherry and jim and and you all were yeah. going gangbusters in mckinney at that time that was a yes that was, that was fun to watch yes and you know um you know, we had, a, you know, we had a good team and Abby Lou, he eventually hired Abby Lou. Right. Who came out of Richardson there and, and Abby had the international connection and it was a good time. You know, uh, we had, um, we, had some, we did some great things and, you know, the, the, um, one of the things, one of the blessings that I had that came out of there was I got to work with, um, the creators, these two brothers that created the gaming app called words with friends. And these these two cats brothers invented that game in the McKinney Library. <laughs> it took them a year to create it and build it, and they eventually went on and sold it to Zynga. And millions of dollars later, um, they went their separate ways. And well, one brother created a new a new company, a gaming development company, and built a brand new building in downtown McKinney now today. So you know it's 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 funny how things come around, well, but. Well, Greg, I can't, uh, I, I can't imagine you. You're one of our, one of those members of ours that uh, you wear your passion for economic development on your sleeve on a daily basis, and yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine you as a banker. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. so the um, the two thousand seven two thousand uh, eight recession, uh, uh, Greg Sims's gain, banking's loss. Uh, but uh, it was great that that you were able to get back uh, in our world at that point. Oh in yeah. Time. Now tell us about your uh, your move from McKinney uh, over to yeah. Greenville, and tell us about all the great sure. things that you've been a part of, well, part of at Greenville. Sure. So it was very interesting uh, how I got to Greenville. Um, when I was in McKinney, you know, we were we were doing big things, and I remember the day David came in and announced to staff first that he was planning to retire, and we're like, "What? You know, you're not ready to retire?" He said, "Yeah, he had 25 years in TMRS, and you know, he was only 52 at the time." And you know, I'm like, "You can't retire." You know, no, I'm retiring. I, you know, I, I'd planned to work there a long time for, for David there. I enjoyed working there. And, um, and so he decided to retire. Well, Jim, 
Jim had been there a lot longer than I had. He, I think he'd been there. He'd been there six years. I'd been there two years. And and when you know the board said, okay, we need to hire a new president. You know, I went to Jim. I said, Jim, I, I you know, I'll let you know that you know I am not going to put my name in the hat for that. You know, even though David came to me, David said, hey, you know, you know, you ought to put your name in the hat. I said, no, I'm not going to go around Jim. Jim's here, been here too long. You know, he deserves that. And Jim wanted it big time because he was from there. He had spent six years there. And so I told Jim, no, I was not going to put my name in the hat there. And I, res I respected Jim and everything. And but at the same time, you know, I, I mean, I had a lot of experience and, you know, I wanted to be, you know, in the in the CL road somewhere, you know, somewhere. And so um, remind everyone the, what year that was, Greg. Yeah, that was uh, that was. I guess it was 2011. Oh no, okay. yeah. actually, I came I came to Greenville in 11, so it was around 2010. 2010. Okay. Period. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I worked for Jim for about six months before I came to Greenville. Right. And so, and so when when uh, uh, what happened is as during when David was there back in 2009, I was working with me, David, and Jim. Um, we had the our largest the largest employer in North Texas actually resides in Greenville, Texas, called L3 Corporation, and they were in a lawsuit with the city of Greenville at the time, and over a bunch of stuff that we can talk about later. But you know, basically, you know, the city owns three million square feet of industrial property and the airport here in Greenville that was a World War II airport. L3 leases it, but their lease on the facilities, they take care of those three million square feet. They keep the roofs in shape. They take care of all the maintenance, all their AC units and everything. You know, bottom line is if if we didn't have L3 there, it would it would probably break the city of Greenville taking care of three million square feet of property. That's for sure. So, but in the, what happened is L3 came knocking on our door uh, in McKinney. Um, um, announced to us, you know, says that they're having problems in McKinney, I mean, excuse me, in Greenville, and they were looking, and we, and McKinney had an airport, and they were looking to move, move uh, employees and business out of Greenville. It was that bad. And we're like, wow, we couldn't believe it. So we're like, really? So, yeah, so it was going to be a big opportunity for McKinney. So they actually invited us over. I was a, I was a McKinney employee with me and David and Jim came over to to the L3 plant in Greenville and we toured it with them and you know on the notion okay well we can take this we can move this we can take this we can make this well <clears throat> we were doing plans to move things over to McKinney and uh, at that time period right after that uh, I had a call from a headhunter called me out of the blue and said hey you know the president's position is coming open in Greenville Texas I said Greenville I said I was just over there <laughs> about two weeks ago I said, yeah. So they wanted me to have I had any interest putting my name in the hat. I said, sure, I'll do that. So I went to Jim. I told Jim about it. I said, Jim, I said, what do you think? And we counseled about it, you know, and, and I asked his opinion about it because I respected his opinion. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, if that's what you want to do, you know, he said, it's a different part of the world. I said, well, I know that world. You know, I spent time on the east side in Garland and we did deals in Rockwall and my dad had done deals in Greenville and, you know, I knew this territory. <clears throat> and so I came over and, you know, we, I interviewed and I'll never forget the mayor. When I interviewed with the mayor, he was telling me, he said, well, Greg, you know, we're in, we're in a lawsuit with our largest employer. 
I said, yes, sir. He said, do you, do you still want the job? I said, absolutely. I still want the job. And, uh, but you know, long story short, we got, we got past that. We were able to cure the, cure the deal and, and make L3 happy over here again. And, uh, you know, since then we've been just going gangbusters. The economy has really helped a lot. I mean, 30 days after I got here though, we had the large, one of our other larger plants, Rubbermaid, had a 1.1 million square foot plan here. They announced they were closing the plan after they'd been here 30 years and they had 600 employees. That was 30 days after I got here. And we're like, what? And so uh, we've had to backfill that space. We've had buildings that were built. We've had expansion opportunities that we've expanded buildings. We've had real successful on the, on the business attraction side. And, you know, some real high marks that we have on that is um, we were able to do some business expansion on a company called Solve. Um, we had a company here in Greenville called SciTech, and if you don't know this or not, but Solve SciTech, they are one of the largest uh, uh, manufacturers in the world of carbon fiber uh, that goes on airplanes. So they, their carbon fiber fabric is probably on about 80% of airplanes in the world. And a lot of that's made right here in Greenville, Texas. And for the F-35 program, for you know the Bell helicopter program, a lot of that stuff's done here. They're not at our airport. They have a manufacturing facility in our old industrial park. So we've done some expansions with them. They're owned now uh, by a, a, a large uh, Belgian company. And so the the other the other highlights when we when we uh, in Greenville we had uh, we had a a real proud of this one. Uh, we had a company that that came to us. This was a state we did. We've landed probably three or four state leads out of the governor's office since I've been here uh, in 2011, which is you know great track record success and working with the governor's office and Governor Perry. <clears throat> you know he did a tremendous job, I think, at business recruitment and his staff. Um, but one of the projects that I'm really proud of that we did, we we landed the first food manufacturing plant that's owned by the, uh, in the U.S., it's owned by the largest pr privately owned company in the country of Venezuela. And this, this plant here makes a corn flour product called PAN, P-A-N, is a blue label PAN and a yellow bag. And um, you've probably seen it in the ethnic section of grocery stores. Um, but they're made, it's made right here in Greenville. It's distributed uh, uh, all over, you know, southeastern United States. It goes to Europe. In the in the south, uh, South America, um, but huge huge company uh, that came in and bought this an old Lance plant that had closed closed down Lance Crackers, um, and they uh, came in and they actually had a ceremony, brought in a Catholic priest, and they did a lot of the ceremony in Spanish. And but the they had 26 family members that came over from Venezuela when we did this opening, and they were weeping weeping. Because their father, even though he had done, and and then they were billionaires. I mean, we had the the son of the company was here. He's a billionaire, one of the richest guys in the world, and they were like weeping that out of everything they had done and all the billions that they had accumulated and the and the plants they had 26 plants in in about seven countries. Okay. But they had not had a plant, a food bank plant in the U.S. because their father, Patriarchy, started the company, always told them that he didn't feel like he had made it, really made it, even though he'd made all that money until he had an operation in the United States of America. 
and they were weeping that they had made it. They'd finally, now, you know, the father had died. He died about 10 years prior to this happening, but, you know, that was really something, you know, to see, you know, that that's how much the United States is revered as, you know, the most successful country in the world. And so, and, and, you know, and they, and they were great people. I mean, they, they treated us like royalty and, you know, they, they set up a huge uh, empanada station where they were making re arepas and empanadas and uh, it was just incredible. And so real proud of that. And, um, you know, that, that's that Texas, you know, flavor connection of, you know, we're close to that South American uh, culture and trade and business and you know it's very very good for texas that we uh, we continue to propagate that i believe but Correct. um you yeah you um you have been uh, really uh, at least in in even before you went to mckinney and then greenville you have been a real leader in our organization uh i am um, I'd like to hear from you about what inspired you to um, to really uh, become involved uh, with the TDC and and why you continue to uh, to lead us uh, to be an ardent spokesperson for economic development uh, in our great state. Yes. Well, you're right. I do sometimes li live my passion on my sleeve. I, I guess that's just how I'm, I'm, I'm cut, you know, I'm, I'm about a, you know, fifth generation Texan. So, you know, West Texans, we, we tend to be a little more, you know, on our sleeve, but you know, we're, I come from a can do it background, you know, we can do it. We can, we can get things done. And one of the things about TDC and about econ development to me, the most important things about us is we are the authority to me i think tdc is the authority of business recruitment retention and expansion in the state of texas the authority and so what that means to me is that when we create jobs and we retain jobs and we keep you know creating tax base wealth through a business attraction and keeping tax base wealth here by not letting companies leave then we're doing our part to really, to me, it's the economic engine of the state of Texas is economic development. I mean, that's what makes our school system go. You know, two thirds of your property tax bill goes to the state school system, the public school system that I came out of. <clears throat> and so shouldn't, shouldn't the state have a vested interest in the entire, you know, the way the system is built with property taxes Sure, it should. And to me, the way you grow every community in the state of Texas, you know, the way we build roads, the way we build roads, uh, excuse me, roads, water, sewer, you know, a lot of cities, people don't realize cities are on these big water plants, on these big sewage treatment plants. You know, all the roads we got to take care of, all the pipes. We've got pipes in Greenville right now underneath the city streets are over 50 years old. They're clay pipes. These have to be replaced. So, so the only way we're going to generate the wealth, to me, is unfortunately is property taxes because that's the way our system was built on. But, you know, to me, the way we grow the state of Texas and the revenues for all cities and all counties and all school districts 
hospital districts is through economic development and through bringing industry to Texas. And the way we keep our economy at the highest that we've been, that you, you talk about this a lot, Carlton, you talk about the Texas miracle a lot, where the quality of jobs and the types of jobs that we've been able to bring to Texas in my career since, you know, the early 80s when I got in, the, in this business, uh, in the, I call it commercial state business, economic development business. I mean, we were, we were generating jobs, creating jobs. All those jobs beget all the houses that are being built, beget, you know, all the services that are being purchased, beget, you know, all the sales tax dollars that are being spent and comes back into the Texas economy, all the gasoline that we've bought, all the oil that Texas has produced. I mean, it, it really, that's to me, the fundamental fundamentals of our Texas economy is economic development. It's creating jobs. It's creating business. It's creating companies to come here, build buildings. So to me, you know, it doesn't make any sense to, you know, look at anything else that doesn't help those things. Does it help property tax? Well, does it help us create jobs and, and keep jobs? So that's why it's passionate. I'm passionate about it because my, my children, you know, my daughter, you know, I want her to live in a prosperous state. I want my grandchildren to, to live in a prosperous state, you know, and I'm proud of Texas, you know, and so Greg, um, I think it's very important. You, um, your passion comes through um, all of the time. It's one of the great things I admire about you. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate, um, you know, what you do, not only in Greenville, but what you do on behalf of our organization. It's, uh, it, it's, it's great to work with folks like you. It's great to, to be a part of an organization that fosters folks like Greg Sims to be leaders, not only in Greenville, Texas, but leaders of the Texas Economic Development Council. I, I love your thoughts on, um, and, and I, I before I get into that uh, final question, I, I really um, appreciate your uh, passion for the fact that this stuff that we do doesn't just happen. And on top of that, because of the way we do it in Texas, we do it really as an open book. You know, there's a lot of conversations these days about transparency. Um, since the advent of the, of the Texas Economic Development Sales Tax, the way it was created was as a transparent kind of enterprise where cities vote to tax themselves to be actively involved uh, in economic development. And uh, I, I appreciate what you've done as a part of that world, and I appreciate your relentless sales of the fact that, hey, we're doing uh, the, the work at the ground level, and like you said, that ensures that our children and their children uh, will be able to live in a prosperous state. So, so thank you uh, for that, Greg, sure. and I know you have many years left and, and I want you to continue to do that uh, on behalf uh, of Texas. Now, I wanted to ask you a question. Where do you see our world in economic development? Where do you see it going? 
and uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what is economic development going to look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, in your opinion? Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't. But, you know, I appreciate those comments too, uh, Carlton. I really do. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I kind of, kind of um, sometimes come at things a different angle, you know, uh, but I guess that that's helped me be successful in the past. And, um, you know, one thing I, I want to see, keep in mind going forward to me, we can't lose sight of there are, you know, 50 other states, <clears throat> or 49 other states that that um, do economic development, have economic development programs, that have people just like us doing the same thing in other cities, other counties, other states, and they want business recruitment just like we do. So it is a race. It is a lifelong race um, that we are in competition, not with just United States, but with the world. I mean, we've competed for projects that are looking, you know, to, to build them in Mexico, in Europe. Uh, I mean, we, we've got worldwide multinational firms that have plants all over the world, and they have board decision, decisions in Belgium and mention the name Greenville, Texas in Belgium to say we will we will spend, you know, $20 million in Greenville, Texas for a business. Uh, so, I mean, that we don't take that for granted. And and I don't think Texas should take that for granted either, because, you know, to me, as long as we can um, keep our sights on the future of, you know, what made us great in these last 20, 30 years in economic development, I think we'll be great going forward. You know, when we get off on the, you know, some small path of, you know, uh, and I call it petty, it's a petty um, you know, some sort of petty thought process that, that, that ignores the principles of, you know, growing tax-based wealth and growing jobs, then that's when we'll start to suffer. But, you know, I hope, you know, that, that our economy stays good. I hope that our future leaders, you know, our legislative folks um, understand, you know, the basics of, of what we're trying to do and, and uh, we'll listen to economic developers all across the state. I mean, you know, to me, we're just like you said, we're in the trenches. Every economic development guy is in the, you know, or girl or you know, person is in the trenches across our state. You know, they need to be, you know, listened to and say, okay, you know, what are we up against? What are our, what are the, you know, I mean, any good general who's fighting a war you know, never makes his, you know, big, big decisions until he's heard from the field, you know, what's happening in the field. So, you know, I think that going forward, I think we're going to be great. I mean, I think we're going to be really good. I mean, you know, we've got certainly, uh, we've got a lot of work to do, and I think we got some education to do as an organization, TDC organization, you know, um, and going forward to, to keep keep the pressure on, you know, our legislators to know that, hey, you know, let's be mindful of what we, what we do, you know, we, we, every session, you're looking at new laws and, you know, is it, is, are these good ideas? And to me, the litmus test is, does it harm our ability to compete worldwide and statewide for projects? You know, does it, does it give us the toolbox? Does it continue with, you know, um, the resources we need to, and I'm talking about ED people, to be successful in boards. And you're right. 
the clear oversight is there that the the guys who set the laws up before today have set up a great thing in this 480c and 4b um sales tax legislation and and the oversight is there the boards are picked you know uh by councils the budgets are approved by councils i mean it is layered up with uh, you know uh with all sorts of uh, protection but every now and then we are going to see you know anomalies that pop up but you know i think 99.9 percent .9 of the state of texas efforts do do have uh, you know definitely clear vision and and what you know one of the things that uh transparency one of the things that that come up a little bit you know people think that you know when we do projects oh well they're doing them quote behind closed doors you know we're doing executive session we're doing secret meetings you know one thing we need to keep in mind on that is state law was designed if you read it it was designed to require executive sessions and i'm not talking about allowed but require executive sessions and that's to protect the taxpayers dollars so that you know some if they were doing everything out in the open by golly you know the oak state of oklahoma or new mexico so well look at them look what texas is doing let's go after that company it would raise the stakes for the taxpayer if they really wanted a project so we need to understand that you know the executive sessions are there for to protect the taxpayer dollars also that's the number one reason number two reason is to protect the company from competition precisely so, that, so if the company if his competitor knows what he's doing everywhere then he might as well forget texas and go somewhere else so i mean there's two good reasons why we do things like that now after the deal's done yeah everything's out in the open people can you know can find out what they need to find out but you know sometimes i say that you know politics is local all politics is local you know to me uh, you know all economic development is local so whatever is important to that community wherever that is i mean it could be i mean you look at the great state of texas to me to me i look at food okay i love food i shouldn't say this but i love food <laughs> um look at the different types of food we have all across the state that mirrors a little bit of the types of uh, companies we have you know i'm not talking about it as a, as a similarity you know we got the gulf coast chemical production we got the west texas you know oil and gas we've got south texas oil and gas and we've got technology sector we've got north texas uh, manufacturing i mean when you when you look at the the design of the state of texas there's no other state that can compete you know i don't think if we keep regulation down if we keep you know uh giving the ability for ed people through sales tax and through other means like property tax chapter 312 chapter 311 chapter 313 all these tools in our toolbox because that's how we're successful and that's how we've been successful and so um you know that that's we've got to keep it keep it going and keep it local uh local control because that's where that's where things uh happen at the local level one of the things that you're so good at is is just what what you went through talking about why it's important i think that if we had um, 600 greg sims who were able to sell uh, economic development locally with the kind of passion that you have uh good gosh there's no telling what we could do 
<laughs> so uh, that's too, too much, but I appreciate that, Carlton. I tell you, though, I mean, you you were you were nominated, you know, on the governor's uh, Governor Perry's Economic Development um, Committee, Sales Committee, and your effort and your work you've done, you know, over 20 years just in Texas, and I mean, in in you know, for us and uh, for TDC, believe me, we couldn't have gotten where we are without you and without your team. You know, Amy and Swank and Crystal Fulbright, Abby, Abby uh, Glazier and Samantha Brown and Cooper Swank and Miles Davis Swab. Y'all <laughs> are like the the best staff that any organization in the state uh, could have. And and really, I mean, really, really, I mean, uh, if it not if it were not for the work that y'all do and, and y'all's experience and all the work you do, you know, us CD guys, we'd just be floundering around i think so well I, I appreciate the shout out i will let miles know that you mentioned yeah, him yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> greg um thank you for what you do thank you for your leadership of the tedc um i hope you and i are both around long enough to to where maybe we can do another one of these sometime sure be glad to so hopefully People will wake up, you know, the next time when we when we start talking. So <laughs> I hope I didn't Greg, put them to sleep. <laughs> Greg Sims, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate uh, what you do uh, for all of us in our great state. Oh, thank you very much, and God bless you all. I mean, we're we definitely are a great state. So God bless Texas. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys.